This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I'm here with Ryan Freed, a fellow Strong Islander from Oceanside. Yeah. He is the founder and CEO of Home. He's going to tell us about how his business started, how it's ebbed and flowed to where it is today, and where his spot is in the Halo sector. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Pete, for having me. Excellent. So you started out as a uh, a, a big sports uh, enthusiast, and we were just talking a little bit about... uh, about our camp and your uh, and your athletic prowess, so I don't have anything to, to gauge that on except what you're telling me. So I'll just take it as <laughs> same a, with you. <laughs> take it for face value. Well, yeah, I could back some of it up, um, but we'll do that later. Yeah. Anyway, so talk about how you kind of start as an entrepreneur, and you've been doing this for you know since you uh, uh, were 14 years old, and kind of why that started where it did, and how you got to where you are, and we'll uh, we'll take some life lessons along the way. Yeah, I mean, I. I guess I don't know why it started, really. I think I just kind of always had that drive. So I always started picking things up when I was younger. Never really wanted to work for anyone. I always just figured, let me just try to do something on my own. So it started in like probably in elementary school. My Hmm. first business was actually an ice hockey goalie coaching business. So I convinced my dad to buy fake ice. You know, that like plexiglass ice. Have you ever seen that? So I convinced him to buy that for my basement, which I trained on myself. And then eventually I was like, all right, let me see. There's enough space here. Let me find some other goalies in Long Island that I could coach down there. Because it was the perfect amount of space just to do some goalie coaching. Um, They're probably like normal, like 10, 12 foot ceilings. Really? Okay. Okay. I mean, we're all like. I was in elementary school. Everyone I'm coaching is younger than me, so we're not, we're not too tall. I, was, I remember like playing uh, playing hockey down in my basement with my cousin Bruce with tennis rackets and tennis balls mm-hmm. and taking just like wicked slap shots from like five, six feet away. Yep. So we that's do the how same thing with tennis balls too. Yeah. 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 That's the best way to get your uh, your instincts. Exactly. <laughs> get that going. Yeah, get your close game good. Yeah. So, so you started off 14, so you're bringing kids into your basement, mm-hmm. teaching them how to play hockey. Yeah, and then kind of just kept going. So I had a bunch of small businesses when I was younger. I bought and sold stuff on eBay. So at one point I got a wholesale account at PC Richards. I bought Ooh, um, nice. bought this one camera that just did really well on eBay and bought and sold that, bought and sold gold on how do you eBay. Get a, how do you get a wholesale account for PC Richards? Um, I don't even remember how I pulled that off, but I was like 15 <laughs> years old and they gave me a wholesale account at nice. PC Richards. <laughs> There's some issue in, internally there, I guess. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you went from there. How did we get to the Halo sector? Yeah, so that after kind of going through all those businesses, then in college I did a, a tech accelerator where I did a bunch of tech startups. You could call them more of my like grown-up businesses. Uh-huh. Um, first, it started as a food delivery service. Um, then I pivoted into a crowdsourced stock photography website. And one of the big reasons that we were pivoting at the time was I had something in my life going on, really personal. So my mom, as we were talking about before, she got diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. Ovarian cancer, stage three, is a very short life prediction usually. She got like two-year prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrible. It was like 20% chance of surviving the first surgery. She decided to take that upon herself to not only beat the prediction, but try to create a much more joyous life for herself and a much Mm -hmm. higher quality of life. So she's the one that really got me into the Halo sector. She started meditating, completely overhauled her nutrition, her lifestyle. She got into a lot more of the weird things like Qigong and Reiki and a lot of different energy work, which I'm into today as well. Um, We don't yet bring that through our company as much, but eventual goal is to be able to open people up to get into more of the deeper spiritual work as well. Um, But being involved in that spiritual work, she started getting towards the end of her life when I was in that tech accelerator. 
And we kind of looked at each other, we're like, wow, we love businesses. We've been doing this our entire lives, but what do we care about now? What are we passionate about? How do we really want to make an impact? Mm -hmm. For us at the time, that was meditation. Gotcha. So meditation okay. was kind of our segue into the Halo sector. Got it. And, and was this started out in Long Island or this was like you were still at school when you were doing this? Um, I was still at school. Okay. So you're in Minnesota? In Minneapolis, Minneapolis yeah. University okay. of Minnesota, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, and you're doing, and, and you were looking at this from a tech standpoint, or you're looking at it from just like a, a land-based, you know, more traditional business. More land-based. So yeah, we okay. were starting tech, um, and then we decided we wanted to start something similar to like Mindful or Unplugged. Right. Okay. Um, that was gotcha. the original concept for that. And how long ago was this? This was probably six years ago now. Gotcha. And ha where did that tell tell us what you know? There weren't that many meditation locations out it was kind of just the start i'd say right yeah i think i don't think anywhere really open other than your more traditional um like the open center or mm -hmm. places like that that had more traditional styles um that weren't trying to attract a lot more of the mainstream audience with that cool like boutique fitness vibe right i don't think a lot of them were were out yet so we were kind of at the beginning of that we went to open a retail store um we were going out for funding we hadn't really funded for a business before and this was a big scale that we needed to fundraise for. Uh -huh. um, we got a lot of the construction money because my family has a background in construction management. So we got a lot of that money in exchange for equity, um, but we were having trouble securing all the funds. And while we were doing that, we were also te testing out our own meditation concept that we thought could help make meditation mainstream happen that we were testing it in a residential building. Okay. So that's kind of where this idea of being able to offer directly to landlords in your home, in your office pivoted from. Gotcha. So what, where was that first location? What, what were you doing there? Yeah, it was in Brooklyn. It was called The Edge. Um, are you familiar with It's like North 5th, right in, like, right in Williamsburg, okay. right along yeah, the water. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so that was our first location. We were doing regular meditation classes there. The classes were packed. They were filling up over and over again. So as soon as we opened it up, we were, it's kind of like a testing ground to create our program. And then as soon as we opened it up to residents, say there was 20 spots open in the class, every single one would fill up over and over again. Hmm. Um, so and you're doing this on a, on a daily, weekly? What was it? It was weekly. weekly. Um, it was probably a few times a week. Okay. Yeah. And this was six years ago? This was six years ago. Got yeah. it. And, and what, what was the, was the modality based on something you created? Was it based on kind of taking other people's meditation you know, tracks or uh, how did you think about that? Yeah, it was it was a mixture. So it was taking other people's meditations. We kind of crowdsourced it. So we brought in a bunch of really qualified meditation instructors, yoga instructors. We used techniques from body scan meditations, from mindfulness meditations, from visualizations. Okay. Kind of mashed it up into one meditation. So we would be like leading someone through a forest um, and you'd walk through a river and you'd have to feel the water on your feet and then slowly you'd lay down in the river and then the water would be taking over your entire body until you got into a place of serenity and a place to be able mm -hmm. to get into the zone to be able to meditate and focus on your breath. And were you guiding the meditations yourself? Um, I was guiding some of them um, and then the instructors. So we were leading the program, coming up with the content, and then the instructors would come in and do the actual um, guided meditations for the residents when they came into class. Got it, got it. And, and from a standpoint of like becoming mainstream, like what'd you do to kind of make it mainstream? I think it was that visualization component, kind of having people meditate without knowing that they're meditating. Because hmm. I, I meditate every single morning, a few times a day, most days. Okay. Um, and I can sit there and focus on my breath and do your basic mindfulness meditation. 
But I think that's really hard for beginners to get involved into. And that's, that's what really drove us into starting this business is we wanted to be that tipping point, that entry point for people to get involved in meditation, yoga, and different spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a, there's a stigma to the name meditation? Like, is it, is it, does it seem too um, either academic or too spiritual for people? What, what do you think it is that, that kind of keeps it from being like a mainstream? Like I'm going to the gym. I'm going to yeah. therapy. I'm going to a psyching class. I'm going to, you know, like going to meditation still feels like there's not, a t- it hasn't been a tipping point yet yeah. where it's like part of everyone's routine. Yeah, I guess it still feels a little out there for people. I think it's it's getting to that point, right? With these, I mean, this, with these new studios popping up, with the apps. I think the apps are really helping a lot of people because it's just calm in, and headspace. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, calm, calm headspace, insight timer. So, so as you started in the residential side, and you're doing these programs, and you're seeing them sell out, and there's a wait list in in Williamsburg. You know, obviously that kind of gave you the confidence to now say, okay, look, there's there's enough demand here. And you got the programming down pat. So wh- where are you taking the business now? And, and what's your, you know, when you wake up in the morning, what do you want to try to achieve? Yeah. So it's, it looks much different than it did in that, in that first building in Brooklyn. So mm-hmm. not solely meditation anymore. We expanded on that a lot since then. Um, now we're a community building platform for office and multifamily landlords. So our whole goal is to help these landlords build community within their buildings to help people get to know each other better, to make the city feel a little, a little less, uh, a, a little smaller and a little less lonely than it mm-hmm. is now, um, and then to bond over shared, unique experience and activities. And part of that is the fitness and wellness component. So we still have regular meditation classes in our office buildings, particularly. I find that people are more open to meditating in their office buildings than in the residential buildings. It's just an easy thing to do in the middle of your day. Hmm. But we also have yoga classes and we do core classes, um, kind of like a Pilates style mat. It's a body movement mat based class. So what do you? So you're going into office buildings instead of going directly into the corporations and trying to get them and sell to, uh, you know, whether it's their HR department or whether it's somebody that's like in charge of like employee benefits. You're actually going into an actual office building, t- talking to the management companies and yeah. trying to get some space that's shared or that's a pop-up or rental. How, how is it set up? Um, it depends on the building. So in New York, a lot of it's vacant. So we'll take a vacant office suite and we'll build them a little pop-up studio. So we build, uh, I guess we call them our like Zen dens kind of. So we'll okay. get like rubber flooring, put it down, put up temporary wall partitions, trees, shrubbery, uh, shrubbery, cubbies, things to make it look really welcoming. Usually completely white box vacant floor. And then it's in the corner of the space, fits anywhere from 20 to 40 people, depending how large the building is. So if you're looking at the Grace Building in Midtown Manhattan, which is over a million square feet. That's one of our properties. Um, that studio is going to be a bit larger, one Liberty Plaza downtown, two million square feet. That's going to be a larger space. You look at mm. one of our smaller Class B Midtown locations, 400,000 square feet, we'll build a little smaller, uh, smaller So, so are they the actually studio. giving you vacant space, or are they... And you're in there, like, as a, as a, as a part-time amenity, or are you actually, like, in there permanently? Um, it's permanently, pretty much. If they okay. lease the space out, we move spaces. So in the not, same building. Same building. So Ooh, we're not trying to hold the leasing okay. efforts back. A lot okay. of the time it's helpful okay. in leasing because they'll bring people through that space. And then it starts a conversation about the amenities. And as you mm. know, the amenity space in offices now is becoming huge. 
with the rise of WeWork, it kind of really kicked that off of these landlords now realizing they need to start building their communities up for your small to mid-sized companies Mm -hmm. that can't offer the same amenities and benefits that a Google or a Facebook offers. They're now looking to their landlords to provide those things. Got it. So the landlords are really creating these free amenities for tenants, being those classes. In addition to that, we also... Uh, do lifestyle events. So in the lobby, you might be walking to your office one day and you'll have a barista making you lattes as you enter the office. Or at your lunch break, you'll walk out of the lobby and there'll be chair massages and they're giving you a massage in the middle of the day. And you're, and you're managing those amenities for them? We manage all the amenities. Yeah. Gotcha. So you know, talk about when you go into a, a residential manager or, or, or an owner, are they saying, okay, we'll test this out in one location and they roll you out into all their managed properties or how's the growth been from your standpoint, and what are you trying to, you know, is, are you focused only mostly on Manhattan, tri-state area? We we'll talk about like what home, um, you know, where, where they should, where people should be, yeah, interacting um, with you going forward. Yeah, so it's exactly like you said. It's very iterative. It's we'll test you out in one or two properties usually, see how it goes, and then start to roll you out in a few more properties. Usually, it happens on a regional level, mm-hmm. so it'll happen in the New York area. Um, and then from there, we'll see what other, uh, what other regions, what other locations, what other cities this is a good fit for. But the goal eventually is to work with the entire landlord's portfolio because we want the landlords and landlords more these days, they're trying to become hospitality brands. Right, um, so right. they need to have consistent amenities, consistent imaging, consistent branding across all their buildings across the globe. Um, so the eventual goal is to roll out in portfolios, and that's how it's mm-hmm. been now. We're in uh, New York, outer boroughs. We're in Toronto as well. Um, and then we're looking at LA and Houston as our next markets, but we have every city in North America mapped out right now, pretty much on our, nice. on our roadmap. So as you look at the, uh, what, what the landlords are, are they paying you to, to provide this or are the, the employees paying to take the classes? How, what's the business model? Uh, the landlords pay for the amenities. So they pay a, a one-time activation fee. We set everything up and then they pay a monthly subscription after that. Okay, um, great. And it gives them access to a suite of classes and events, whatever we customize for the buildings. That's great. That's great. So what, what do you see as the, the, the next frontier, you know, from you know, meditation? What, what do you see as some of the, the other, you know, health and wellness and Halo-related technologies that you're bringing in? What, 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 give us like a little crystal ball into what office buildings will have. Yeah, I think office buildings are starting to starting to now really engage more in physical amenities as well. Um, So in addition to the programming that we're offering, I think they're going to start offering a lot more wellness-related programming, so a lot more of those lifestyle events that I referred to before, Mm -hmm. where you'll have regular massages, regular, um, you'll be able to get your nails done in an amenity space in an office building, be able to get your your hair in the middle of the day, makeup, things like that, regular types of like wellness-related things Mm -hmm. as well, Um, but also physical build-outs. So Office buildings are now starting to put in gyms, similar styles to residential buildings. Sure. Um, more technology-based uh, fitness equipment, like Peloton bikes in the office building, or Active Virtual, which I'm not for your, Are you familiar with the Active Virtual yes. program? Yes. Yes. Things, more things similar to that, where now you can engage with programming that we offer, um, but also you can go to your amenity space in your office building in the middle of the day and engage with some type of uh, equipment that's also interactive Got with it. you. Do you see, are people putting in locker rooms or any showers, or do you see that as like, that's, that's like another step to like really reconfigure an entire building? I think it's just starting to happen. So okay. people, are, people are talking about locker rooms and showers. Um, I toured a building that, a new building that's going to be coming online for us in the next few months. They have locker rooms and showers in their building. So I think as it becomes more of the industry standard, it'll build up. 
out, what I've noticed is outside of New York in other markets outside of New York, there tends to be more amenity spaces. And I think that's just because it's not as concentrated in, in certain cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at Los Angeles, they have more amenities like this, but not as much as somewhere like DC where it's a little spread out and you don't have any amenities directly by uh, your building that you're working in. Gotcha. Yeah. So the people that you bring in as experts, are they on your staff? Do you have kind of like a network of contractors? How, how's that? How have you managed through that? Yeah, so that's one, that's one really unique thing and something that we've really worked on sticking to. Um, when we started the company, we saw the wellness industry. We realized that fitness providers and wellness providers did not really have a place they could go to to have security and stability. Mm -hmm. Um, It's mostly contractor-based right right now, right? You're running from studio to studio, and that works for a lot of people. A lot of people want to build up their networks. They want to run from studio to studio. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of people that they want to settle down. They want to have a full-time salary. They want benefits, health insurance, maternity leave, paternity leave, all the Mm -hmm. same benefits you get at a regular corporation. So we decided when we opened the company that that we wanted that to be our route. So all of our service providers who, well, not all, around 70% of our service providers teaching in the building Mm -hmm. are full-time employees. They're also part of our admin staff. So we realized there's a lot of people that want to use both sides of their brain, the part where they're teaching the fitness wellness classes and also something that they have from their corporate background or if they're a graphic designer or they worked in an operations role at a studio um, or a sales and business development person. Mm-hmm. So everyone, our admin staff is also a yoga instructor. So they can teach our fitness classes, all the yoga classes, um, our events managers, people that run the lifestyle events, also yoga instructors. So we built a very unique model where we're able to provide um, admin staff, teaching, teaching staff mm-hmm. um, in one role and then have all the benefits as a result with well, that. Well, that helps with like substitutes or uh, last minute changes when you can pull somebody out of your graphics department and send them to the, to teach a yoga class. I'd say that's pretty unique. Yeah. In, yeah. In, it helps in a lot. Industry for sure. Our missed class rate, we miss, I think we're like a thousand classes a month now, roughly. Yeah. Zero to three is our missed, is how many cl- missed classes we'll miss a month. So. Gotcha. And what are you doing? Are you, are you running your whole platform off of like a mind body or, or did you build your own software f- to pull this off? We built our own software. So we needed our software to be real unique for the model that we built with our mm-hmm. instructors in addition to the model for the landlords. What we found when we went into the buildings originally, since we started in real estate, building this for real estate and for landlords, we tried to use a lot of the out-of-box software, but none of it really accomplished the goal that we needed to for our buildings. It's so specific when you're na- trying to navigate seven World Trade Center, the security to get through the building for an event, to get an instructor in there, to know exactly where the bathrooms are, to know the Wi-Fi codes, to be able to check students in, um, to know all the information and the data of the building without having to bug the property manager or the staff on site. Mm-hmm. We realized we needed to build our own data platform that we could enter all that data in, and then we can push that to all of our instructors so they have their own app on their phone where they have all that data and they can autonomy, autonomously navigate a building to be able to find the yoga studio on the vacant 30th floor or be able to know exactly what the layout is in the lobby and where they could put tables and where outlets are and all these things are. So we built mm. our own platform. Most of it is for backend admin functionality and for data analytics so the landlords can have all the data of everything going on in their building. Um, we built the front end, but the front end's just super simple, calendared RSVP. We're plugging into our front end into a lot of systems more and more these days. Gosh, that's great. So how many buildings are you in now? Um, we are in close to 100 buildings across New York and Toronto. That's great. How'd you get up to Toronto? Was there uh, was part of it because of the healthcare, you know, that they get reimbursements up there or... Uh 
you know, what, what was the what was the rationale for going up to ter- Toronto and going into another country? So partially because of the healthcare, but not because of the reason you're thinking. Um, my co-founder is Canadian. Oh, okay. She had a baby, so <laughs> she moved she moved back up to Canada when she had the baby. Gotcha. Yeah, um, that was part of the reason. Other reason, it's the second uh, largest real estate market in North America. Mm-hmm. So that was a that was a big part of it. They're much more, not much more. America's forward thinking when it comes to health initiatives, but Canada is very forward thinking when it comes to their health and their wellness. And they put it first and foremost above anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so we found there's a really good market to launch in for that. That's great. So what, um, you know, as you, as you look at the, the, the map of where you could go, and, you know, obviously there's so much vertical density in Manhattan. And we're just talking to another client. And, uh, you know, if you're in New York, LA, Toronto, San Fran, let's just say, you know, you've got enough, you know, apartment complexes and office complexes that, you know, if you get more market share there, you can keep your team, keep them more busy and have it, have it more concentrated. So as an entrepreneur, how do you think about, you know, your own growth versus, you know, the, the geographic growth and kind of the seduction of like, hey, look at this map, look at everywhere I am versus saying like, well, you know, I could have gotten the same amount of new clients if I just spent more time in, you know, in the on the island of Manhattan, Northern Jersey, and 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 Brooklyn, so how do you how do you kind of keep yourself in like a a box of like here's where I want to go and here's where I could go and here's like an inbound lead that came from somewhere that's not on our map but like I had a great call and seems like a nice building and yeah you know, how, how do you, you know, give us a little bit of like a lens into like how you think as an entrepreneur because you know that you return on time and those types of decisions, you know, could make or break, you know, not, not just your business, but, you know, like personally, like me, yeah, you as like a, <laughs> as a traveler and your team and <laughs> so on and so forth. And there's like, I was bringing up this morning, you know, like forever 21, you know, got the seduction of growing too rapidly. And now they're completely out of business. You know, obviously we're in a different sector and you've got much, you know, different, uh, components and variables to your business and there's a lot of waves behind the halo sector but talk about how you think about growth and and manage that yeah i mean it's it's you're you're right in saying it's hard to figure out exactly what to do there's a lot of conversation back and forth among all of our team members on what we should be focusing on where we should be going next we can always go deeper right so in new york our clients always are looking for new products and new innovations we're always thinking of new things that we could bring to our residents and our students and our classes and customers of our events. Um, so there's always that piece. And I feel like we're testing a lot of new things here in the New York market, mm-hmm. while also figuring out where geographically we want to go next. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's all about focus. Um, for us, we were looking at a couple new markets. And one of the big reasons is there is a lot of growth here in New York. Um, the real estate industry tends to be a little bit slower on the sales cycle though. So once we've captured a certain penetration within the New York market, we can keep growing, but then the rollout process looks very different than it does to get the first buildings up on the 40 or so property management companies or landlords that we're working with in the New York and Toronto market, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's just a rollout process. It's managing the relationships, going deeper with those clients. And then we have all these clients, just like you're saying, asking us to go to all these new markets. Um, so we look at a bunch of different KPIs and factors on what we think the best new market would be. But the we really want to leverage those relationships. So when we have a big client like Brookfield Properties asking us to go to Toronto or asking us to go to Los Angeles and Houston mm-hmm. and Denver and DC and all these different markets, we tend to pick one. So for us, next one's going to be Los Angeles. Right. Um, and it's enough to be able to 
to balance the model of going deeper in current markets while also going to that new market geographically, but only picking one market to start, and then having a roadmap of when what KPIs we need to hit in that market to roll out into our next market after that. Gotcha. So you've been doing this six years now. So what from a standpoint of the new relationships that, that you're getting with different buildings and people being onboarded into the company, you know, how, how have you managed your own time and like what have you become responsible for and what else, what have you delegated? Yeah. Um, from the very beginning. <laughs> from the very beginning, it was three of us. So it was um, me, it was Corey Loftus, who was uh-huh. one of my co-founders. He was a meditation instructor. We brought in to help develop the concept. Um, and then his wife joined us. So Francesca okay. McCrory joined us as the, um, she's our CEO. I'm the CRO, Chief Revenue Officer, and Corey's the head of service. Um, gotcha. I've always been most involved in business development and sales of outreach to new clients, doing any type of outbound and inbound sales efforts. But of course, in the early days, I was running to buildings and doing our homecomings. And I still do those every now and then just to make sure that I'm supporting the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running events and buildings, planning those entire events. Um, lugging supplies to our properties, um, doing any type of operations work. I was even doing some design work in the building. You have to kind of just learn to literally do everything in the beginning of a company. Mm-hmm. Um, as we started hiring, we would just list out our priorities and what the priorities were, where we were spending most of our time, and then delegate into look for those specific roles and delegate into those roles. Mm-hmm. So now, fast forwarding to today, um, we have a staff of around 25, I want to say, um, including our tech team. And I'm mostly doing business development and sales. Um, So I'm coming in at the end of deals mostly um, with our sales reps who they open the deals up, nourish the leads, and I come in and help close them, Mm -hmm. um, do some panel work, and then really focusing on our partnerships um, and our expansion efforts. So nourishing high-level relationships with clients to keep those growing and making sure that we're constantly uh, satisfying our clients. Gotcha. That's from the professional side. Right, right, right. (laughs) Personal is a whole different story. Right, right, right. And and on the the brand... Is that brand home? Is that known by the the residents or by the the office building employees, or is it like a, a private label or a hybrid? Or how do you how do you think about that? Um, it depends on what the building wants. We mm-hmm. see value in in all of the above. So we see value in it being the landlord's brand. Landlords want to build hospitality brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll white label it for them. We'll white label our technology platform. The marketing, all the content, we'll create all of it, but we'll all sound like it's coming from that landlord. Gotcha. Um, okay. We also have the scenario where it's joint, where it's you'll have Brookfield plus home. And then we have the scenario where it's completely home. In that scenario, we're having a conversation with our landlords and they're saying, hey, we want our tenants to know that it's not us putting on this programming, that you guys are the experts and you're the well-known name here, that it's your instructors that are coming in and bringing in the programming and you have mm-hmm. the best quality and in-class uh, services that you're bringing to us. Gotcha. Gotcha. Excellent. So, uh, you know, what, what are some of the, uh, y- any quotes that, that you usually say that, that people around you or your employees or your partners would say, okay, that's a, that's a freedism or what, what, what are some of the things that like kind of guide you or quotes that you, uh, you bring up as you've been building this business? Hmm. That's a good question. Nothing comes off hand. I mean, I say the word awesome a lot. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's good. probably that's what they a would say one. is a freedism. I think they would talk about my uh, my overwhelming optimism all the time, probably. Okay. Um, as something to to point out about me is I'm always I'm always thinking that we're going to be able to pull off the next new thing um, or being able to win over that that big client, um, and sometimes pushing the boundaries 
at the expense of the operations team or breaking the operations team. Right. So, I mean, I guess you can say it would be that we can do it, maybe. Okay. <laughs> it my, so you're pushing. You're always course. pushing for the next. Always pushing. Next yeah. generation of, of this is like today, not not a year or two from now. Exactly, yeah. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. All right, great. Well, congrats on the success. We look forward to working with you. There's, there's definitely a huge need for what you're doing. And um, you know, after six years, you kind of, you know, you nailed, you know, the, the service offering and on the, the cusp of what, what's to come. So we look forward to working with you. And, uh, you know, let's do another podcast when you're at 300 locations. Yeah. Uh, from 100. And, uh, you know, I'll see to you in six months then. Six months. All right. That's, that's <laughs> fine. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, and if, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you that owns a real estate property, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, you can send me an email or give me a call. So my email is ryan at iamhome.com. And that's I-A-M-H-O-M.com. Um, or you can visit our website at iamhome.com and reach out there. Excellent. All right, continued success. And thanks for helping a lot of people. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Pete. You got it.